We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Odo, and you are listening to episode 32, We Are the Champions. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me. Not quite a champion, but came close. How are you this week? I'm fantastic, Dave. How are you? Really good, really good. So this week's episode, um, Travis is going to uh, go through his mocks, his Magic Online Championship Series experience. I believe it was a qualifier, mm-hmm. if that's if I have that correct. Yes. Uh, and then we're also going to do some talking about uh, ghosting and collusion on Magic Online. Uh, this is a topic we've been seeing on uh, on Reddit and in in the chat on Twitch and things like that lately. And uh, once again, Travis is going to be up on his soapbox. And he's got a surprise topic for me this week. I don't know what it is, so I can't wait to respond. And I don't know if I'll tell him if he's wrong or right. We'll see how it goes. But before that, I would like to know how your week was. Or two weeks, I guess. It feels like it's been forever since we recorded because we went Monday and now we're like the following Wednesday. And it feels like it's been a month, but it's been a lot shorter than that, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been about two and a half weeks, though. Um, I'd say it's been a good two and a half weeks. Uh, stream has continued to see growth. I've played well. As you mentioned, I did well on the mocks. Um, in addition to that, I want to talk more about what the mocks is. I had some some people ask if I won the mocks, and I, I kind of wanted to walk through and be like, hey, here's here's what the tournament series actually is and, and what it means. 5-0 to PPTQ yesterday, beating two, two opponents who had Nicol Bolas, um, which always feels good. And I, I've really been liking Hour of Devastation as a both a draft and a sealed format. It it may be one of my favorites in a while. Okay, well, before we get into our main topic, let's talk about that because I had the luxury of doing, um, I think I'm up to like close to 10 drafts now um, on Magic Online. I know it's not a lot compared to most people, uh, but for me in the summer, that's quite a bit. And I've had a blast. I've been drafting. I don't think I've drafted the same deck twice, and um, I've had a lot of fun pretty much with every deck that I've drafted. Um, I've had some success. I had a nice little streak where I won three drafts in a row, and I've had some failures as well, um, and kind of everywhere in between. And it feels like uh, a very fun set to explore for me so far, at least in draft. Yeah, I've, I've I've probably done about 10 drafts as well, and probably something like 30 sealed events. And I'm like, I've got a PTQ in the morning. I'm looking forward to that. And then when it's done, I think I'm just going to draft all afternoon because like the draft format's really fun. I, I think I'm I'm better at sealed, but I mean, that that's kind of what I focus on. But we're going to practice for the top eight this weekend. I got a good feeling about this weekend. This could be the time I pull it off. This could be it. Yeah. Yeah, this could be it because I've, I've had five PTQ top eights. So you're on... You're well. You're on pace to win one eventually. You just got to get there again. It sounds like. Yeah, I need three more, and then I'm guaranteed to win one. Right? I mean, that's, that's how, how math, math works. works. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What's what's your? I was gonna say, what's your favorite draft deck so far that you've had? Like most fun doesn't have to be the most successful. What's the one you had the most fun with? Uh the most fun one was the one where I had uh, two copies of the sarcophagus that lets you play cycle copy cards from your graveyard. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty stupid. It wasn't very good, uh, but it was a lot of fun to just kind of churn through my deck and then start playing things out of my graveyard. I think it went one, two. It was terrible, and it let me know that that's not actually a viable strategy because the deck didn't work when I had two of them. So I, I kind of found one every game. It just wasn't actually good enough to do anything. But it was a lot of fun to kind of dirtle and not do much and then do it all over again while my opponent killed me. I had a blue-red riddle form deck with two riddle forms and like three crash-throughs or something like that or, or two crash-throughs and, and a kindled fury and it was amazing. It was it was so much fun to play that deck. I had another blue-red spells deck that didn't have any riddle forms but I backed into a um, uh, Enigma Drake or whatever it is mm-hmm. and uh, and I had a bunch of like those 2-1 prowess with a flick 2. Those guys are stupid. Yeah. Turn two that, turn three, cartouche on it, you know, crash for four and then your opponent has to kill it you know, right away. That deck was a lot of fun. But I think the most fun that I had was playing Esper Zombies, um, in which I was just splashing for like the Wayward, no, not Wayward Servant, the um, the Unraveling Mummy, which is a very, very interesting card in the right deck. It's yeah. it's very, very fun. And um, that was a ton of fun. I had like some Eternalize and things like that. That was with an hour of, um, what's the blue hour? Hour of Eternity? No. Hour of Four Fours? the hour of a bunch of four fours mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun with the uh with the zombie zombie synergies that we had so it's a fun draft set um what about standard like i mean we're kind of going off topic here but um i've mentioned before where i've been interested in getting into standard and i i bought the bullet or bit the bullet and bought a budget deck to try out online to see if it's something i want to take to uh m and paper with my daughter and um i haven't had that feeling in about maybe three years and um and so I'm kind of excited to get into that. How are you, I mean, you had, you play standard in the mocks, but like, what's your take on that? Like, I, th- I think I've seen you play three different decks, maybe four different decks so far. I, I have indeed played four different decks in standard. There's a lot of viable decks in standard. There's a lot of things you can do. I think standard's very healthy now. It took a lot of bannings to get us here to be fair. And like that, that aspect kind of sucks, but what we're left with is a really fun environment. Um, I was absolutely certain I was going to play zombies in the mocks and I practiced with it and practiced with it and kept making mistakes. Some of that was, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to get the last qualifier point And I wanted to have a good finish in the event. And finally, uh, Jeff Hoogland stopped by the stream and I asked him how he dealt with pressure. Like when he's playing in big competitive events and he said, dude, you're playing at home. You haven't paid for a hotel. You haven't paid for a flight. Like, it's no big deal if you lose. Just play your best. I'm not not sure why, but that perspective helped me. And then the day before the mocks, uh, rather than registering zombies, I tweaked a Rumanap Red list, um, really kind of messed with the sideboard. And I felt super smart, too, because after the event, there were tons of people posting the deck they played. Like the last two rounds were mirrors. So it was a good weekend for red. And everybody was like, I wish I had sweltering suns in the sideboard. I had sweltering suns in the sideboard because I knew I was going to need it for mirrors and for zombies. But I, I didn't switch because I thought zombies was bad. I switched because I, I couldn't I couldn't stop incinerating tickets with zombies. I just like whatever the worst decision to make was, I kept making it. I'm like, this is just not for me. I need to be playing something different. So I audibled into that and was happy with it. But I mean, I played against a wide variety of decks. Again, that weekend was the weekend for for Red, but I've seen plenty of other weekends where, I mean, Zombies just won a GP recently. So I I almost think you can play anything you want um, 
and, and expect to have decent results. It's a very healthy standard format. I'm excited to hear you're getting into it. You should stream some of the matches. Yeah, I'm going to try it out first. I got to do it in my spreadsheet so I can track my, uh, you know, my wins, losses and, and the amount that I spend on it just to see what I'm getting out of it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I found a, a budget deck on uh, MTG Goldfish that somebody in my, in my chat mentioned that they were playing Hepatra. And I'm like, I got like four of those kicking around somewhere. Maybe I can build a deck out of that. And uh, and and I certainly can. So we're going to see what it's like online. Okay. And um it's interesting that you say that you 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 change it up for the mocks and this will you know this will go into the mocks conversation but going back to one of our earlier episodes where we talked about um losing streaks you know and, and how do you how do you get out of a slump um and one of the things was is, is you know change what you're doing right and, and by, by changing your changing what you're doing you change your perspective on things and you can learn how to win again that way and so i'm very proud of you that you changed that deck um looking at the the top eight or 16 or whatever that um that i saw online of, of that uh tournament i think the top three were all zombies decks so it's still a very good deck obviously but if you can't pilot it and you're giving up five ten percent or whatever or just making mistakes that because it's a, it's a more complicated deck than you have time to learn um I, I like your audible into that and you probably gave yourself a better chance to win so i'm proud of you thank you dave i appreciate that and i, I did well in the event i went you need to so th- this will segue right in. I will describe my experience and then maybe we can roll right into the mocks and what it is and how it works. So the event that I was playing in was a mocks monthly event. It's eight rounds. There's no top eight. If you get six or more wins, you get 36 boosters and an invitation to a playoff event. Seven gets you that invitation and some more boosters. Eight gets you that invitation and some more boosters. Anything less gets you nothing. So for this event, I was 5-0. Cool. Lost my next round. No problem. I got two more. Lost my next round. But clinch time. But got there in the last one. And I felt that spark, which is what I've been after. I, I did have some people who, you know, and, and this is the nature with streams. This was a, a, like an eight-hour stream. So there's people that came in at the beginning and saw the beginning and didn't see the end. So the next day as I'm streaming, people would come in and say, um... I think somebody said, did you win the mocks? And somebody else said, were you in the mocks that Reed Duke won? Uh, Because he did, I think, 8-0'd this. So when you looked at the list, I think his list was the top one. I was like, you know, there's a lot of people that play Magic Online and watch Magic Online that don't actually know much about the Magic Online Championship Series and what it is. So I thought it's probably worth taking a second to talk about that and, and get that out there. Because if you're playing Magic Online and you're interested in playing competitively, this is a great opportunity for you to do it because the these tournaments are sort of free. Sort of free. Sort of free. So step one is qualifier points. Do you know how many qualifier points you have? 13. 13. There you go. From this season. I, I had more from previous seasons, but never enough to spend on, on a mox uh, qualifier tournament. Okay. If, if you were interested in it, you need 35 qualifier points to be able to participate in these monthly events, okay? You get two qualifier points if you get first place in a single elimination draft queue. Um, You get one point if you win a Swiss one. And then it it goes basically like that, where you can get one or two qualifier points for most of the tournaments that you would play on Magic Online. Uh, PTQs also come with uh, qualifier points if you like 4-1 or 5-0 them. Right. So I think the only ones that don't are the friendly ones. Yeah. 
So like friendly leagues don't and the intermediate and the plus and the intermediate plus or the sorry, the competitive leagues, I think all give QPs. Yeah. But I was surprised to find out that the first mocks I wanted to play in, I just had the qualifier points laying around and they'd been sitting there. So like I expect a lot of people will look and find that they have, you know, 15 to 30 of these just sitting there and don't know what to do with them. There is another way that you can get 35 qualifier points, and that's to be a platinum gold or Hall of Fame pro. Um, for me, I probably need to win the tournaments. For now, who knows what the future might hold, but that's the level of competition you can expect to see here. Um, they also give Silver Pros uh, 15 qualifier points, so they've just got to earn 20 in order to get there. So like, there's, there's, there's some real people playing in this. Once you have those qualifier points, you can play in the monthly events, which is what I played in. And what you're playing for is an invitation to the playoffs, which happen every three months. You only get in those via invitation, right? But again, I'm not spending any money to play in the, the, the monthly. Like all I did was spend the qualifier points that I already had. And then when I go to the playoffs, the one that I qualified for will be in November. First prize is a million booster packs as I'm looking at it here. But first prize, what you care about is an invitation to the Magic Online Championship. That's like a 16-player tournament. And an invitation to the Pro Tour. Second place is an invitation to the Magic Online Championship and an invitation to the Pro Tour. And then third through fifth and everything else, you know, swell, good for you. You get a bunch of packs. You won't have to pay for Magic Online forever. But, like, this is the premier tournament for Magic Online. Like, if you're playing competitively, you should probably try to get involved in this. And I, I at least wanted people to know kind of what it is that I was pursuing here. So like I've qualified for a finals event in November. It's standard. Who knows what standard will look like there, but I'll certainly be playing it. And then there's one other option. They do open events on occasion. You'll need to check the schedule. With these, you just spend 40 tickets. You're playing in a sealed tournament. The winner gets an invitation to the Pro Tour and the Magic Online Championship Finals. So that's kind of the mocks in a nutshell. What you're gunning for is that invite to the Pro Tour and an invite to the Finals, which many of you have probably seen streamed in the past. It's where they have 16 or so players. They're all playing on laptops sitting across from each other, usually in Seattle. I still don't quite understand why they fly them out for the Finals. And honestly, if I was in charge of this, if I'm going to tweak it some... I would have the the event actually cast. I would have people that could see the board state, talk about the board state, and stream that on Twitch. Because this is like the biggest tournament that Magic Online has. So I, I kind of think they could be doing better there. But in the meantime, I'll stream them. They um so they do stream the 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 sixteen player tournament at the yes, LAN party. They, they do. do stream that, but they don't stream the one that you qualified for. Is what you're talking about? Correct. Right? Okay. I don't see why they couldn't have somebody peek in there and see both sides of a game and cast it. You know, whether or not the players even know that it's happening, it doesn't matter as long as they're not revealing their hand. Yeah, I wonder. It probably, even... It's probably with some GP or something like that. Magic is probably doing paper magic stuff. Yeah. In, in the past, a long time ago, I remember they would have highlights and have Rashad Miller come through and kind of narrate some of the plays on YouTube and talk about it. And way back in the day, I actually enjoyed that. I liked being able to kind of keep up with the screen names of who was doing well and who was not. Like when you start grinding this and playing Magic Online every day, at least as much as I do, you start to recognize some of the screen names. You're like, I've played against this person before. 
you know, there, there are certain names that I just, as soon as I see them, I'm like, I know exactly who that is. So it was kind of cool to follow their progress through that. But that, that's the mocks in a nutshell. It's one big giant tournament that we're trying to get to. And to get there, you've got to earn qualifier points, spend those qualifier points to play in a preliminary, then do well at a final quarterly event, and then you're invited to the finals. So I'm on step two of four, and I guess step five is winning the dang thing. I seem to remember the uh, the finals, like the Magic Online Championship finals, the top 16 or whatever, um, is big money too. Oh, yeah. Um, what is that? First it, place I, is 40 grand US? Something like that, US. yeah. No, I'm looking at it. It is. It's $40,000. That's like $200,000 Canadian, right? <laughs> Dollar's pretty good lately, but you're pretty close on that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I remember watching that one and it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird setup because they're laptops, right? Cause it's the online, you don't want to play paper magic. You want to play online with all of its, um, nuance, I guess, you know, the, the F4, the F6, the bluffing of, of your, your, your F6, F8 through your turn and things like that. Um, but it is interesting to watch. Um, sometimes the quality of the tournament is not great because they play a lot of rounds with only 16 players. So you get kind of these weird, you know, 10 and four against the, I guess an eight, eight player or something like that. And, and, um, and so you get these some late in the tournament, sometimes you get these weird matches, but the top four, I think is usually, I don't think they do top eight. I think they do top four, um, is usually very good. And who won it last year? We talked about it on podcast. I don't remember who won it on last year. Raptor? Josh Utter Layton, did he win it? I don't remember. Anyway, but it, it was good, and it was a very entertaining tournament. Tournament for the most part, um, and it's 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 similar to what you would watch at, let's say, like a uh, like a GP. Like the coverage is is similar. It's just with digital screens instead of uh, a camera of a paper match. So yeah, very entertaining. Sometimes they can get in there and show the whole screen. I'm looking up who won it now. Yeah, it was it was Raptor, uh, Josh Utter Layton. Yeah. So looking forward to that. I hope you qualify. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a large long hill to climb for anyone. Uh, but it'd be nice to watch you not streaming without a hand hider. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to gun for that. Like I've got one shot left this year to do it and that's in November, but I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm focused on this next year as well and taking it a little more seriously and playing in all of them. They recently changed how the qualifier points work too. Do they still expire or how do those things work? Can you just bank them forever now? I think you can just bank them for a year at the very least. So like however many you have now, if you wanted to gun for this, you could. Right. Because they used to be they would expire like every quarter or something like that. And um, I would never, ever come close to enough to play in one. of. They used to have them, uh, the limited ones where you pay your 35 QPs to get in a limited one. And at least you get some product out of it. I think it's changed since then. Um, they don't have as many limited ones, I don't think, anymore. That you can play in for, for free as, like, as, a, as a free roll. They still do, although, as I understand it, many of them are phantom. They didn't want people burning qualifier points to get cards and then artificially inflating the size of the tournament. They wanted it to be actual people that were playing. So understand that. And way back in the day, it used to be like 15 qualifier points to enter the tournament. 25 got you some number, like a buy for the round one. And 35 got you another buy, and they expired at the end of the month. So like it was, right. it was kind of a grind to try to get those 15 just to be able to play. But this means like if you want to play for a year and save them all up for when they're doing one sealed tournament, go for it. All of the finals are standard. So like you're going to have to play standard at some point, at least they were this year, which is kind of what rocked me into playing standard. 
Like I, I, and I, I do have to say again, the standard format is diverse and good. I, I liked it better when it wasn't because I could play Marvel, which was just kind of a cheese deck. Um, and I did very well with it. That was way better, but, uh, it, it's more fun now than it was then. Okay. Um, maybe we'll put a link in the show notes of uh, the link to the explanation of how the Magic Online Championship Series works. Uh, they have a nice little graphic of all the qualifiers and the feeders and things like that. Um, and you can, if you're interested in that and happen to have the QPs and you just didn't know it, uh, by all means, go check it out. Maybe you can be the one to be to beat Travis in the top eight of the, <laughs> of the finals and crush his dreams. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Okay. So we're going to kind of jump into it like a little bit of a more serious topic, I would say. But um, you mentioned this this, I think, two weeks ago where you wanted to talk about ghosting and, and specifically collusion in, on Magic Online um, and the collusion in drafts. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with ghosting or collusion? Uh, let's start with ghosting first. I think that one will be a little bit easier to walk through. OK, because it's, it's so, actually a difficult discussion to have the one about collusion. I'm looking forward to it. OK, so for those that, that don't watch twitch um and that's that's just the where the the ghosting term i think is used most frequently ghosting is where um somebody and this applies to all games where somebody essentially cheats uh cheats i use air quotes around cheats but they gain an advantage against the person streaming by watching their stream so in, in terms of magic i would be playing against you you would be streaming and i would look at your stream while I'm playing against you and know the contents of your hand. I would know the contents of your deck. I would know the things that you were talking about, the decisions you were making, and I would be able to, you know, make my plays based on that. Mm -hmm. So that is, that is the definition of ghosting. And it's somewhat contentious, not really contentious, but to certain people it is where some people call it cheating. I am one of those people that call it quote cheating but I not don't, I, cheating without the quotation marks. No, let, let me put this out here. This is against the Twitch terms of service that you agree to when you log in. This is not quotes cheating. This is cheating. It's just cheating. We don't need to quote it. We don't need to sugarcoat it. You're right. There's some people who think it's not cheating and they're wrong because it is. So I, I'm going to put a nice firm stamp on that. That's fair. I, it is cheating. I will, I, I agree that it is cheating. I think it's a different type of cheating than what most people think of when they think of, let's say, playing a board game or a sport, right? Where you are, you're playing Monopoly and you're stealing money from the bank is cheating in a very literal sense. And I think the cheating in terms of ghosting is a more kind of, it, it's a, you're casting a wider net of cheating, but I think we're just splitting hairs here at this point. It is, is wrong. You're gaining an unfair advantage over somebody, regardless of what they're putting out there for content um, on Twitch. You are taking advantage of them. It's it's victim blaming at that point to say that, well, I'm not cheating because you're streaming and you shouldn't you should protect yourself when you're streaming. Now, the other argument I've heard, Dave, and as a streamer, you, you can tell me if this ha holds any water or not, is that like, well, yes, I'm cheating because I can see your hand. But you've got 35 people, 300 people, 2,000 people there in your chat to tell you the best lines of play. I absolutely do. And I also have 200 people there to tell me the worst lines of play. <laughs> and Twitch chat usually knows the best line of play, don't they? No, they don't. They don't. It's really hard. And, and like this is nothing against the people that are watching Twitch chat. Like you, you tune into my stream occasionally during the day. 
Mm-hmm. What are you doing while you're watching the stream? Not watching the stream. Yeah. You're listening to it while you're having lunch or it's on in the background while you're doing some code or something. So like a lot of people will come in, see a board state and make a suggestion without knowing a key piece of information, such as I cast a thought sees four turns ago and I know what's exactly what's in their hand. So like it, it's easy to make mistakes there. And like for me, I don't even look at chat when I'm playing in competitive events like PTQs or the mocks, because in, unless chat's going to come with me to the pro tour, I don't want those lines of help. So like I legitimately hide that information on my screen. That's why I've had to move to hand hiders. I've seen a lot of streamers that won't stream big competitive events. And the thing that got me thinking about it was Lee Sharp uh, tweeted something along the lines of, I'm glad that there are people still streaming competitive magic online events, even if they have to use a delay or a hand hider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the, the place where I think um, ghosting is probably at its worst, um, or, or at least the highest risk is not necessarily magic, but it's very close to it. It's uh, online poker. Yeah, And I've, I've seen a lot of actually, I don't think there are any streamers that will stream like live online poker. They will a lot of them when they're playing for any reasonable stakes will play with a minute or 30 second delay or whatever, whatever is enough of a delay to um, to, to have the hand kind of be irrelevant at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the same thing where, you know, you'll have your chat, you have a thousand people in your chat when you're playing poker to tell you to raise fold or whatever. Um, but somebody coming and looking at your hand is the equivalent of somebody coming up behind you at the poker table and looking at your hand and relaying it to the person across the table or something like that, right? Like cheating is cheating outside assistance from chat. I mean, that's the nature of Twitch. I think that is the purpose of Twitch is that you are playing, I think as a community in a lot of these games Mm -hmm. and the, the person that is on the other side of the table looking at you is not, is not playing by those same rules. So that's a bit of a gray area. Like I can see the argument where people will say that, that while well, you're, you're colluding with your chat, uh, those people have I, never, I don't streamed. see it that way. Dave, those people have never streamed. Like I constantly make mistakes while I'm streaming because I'm streaming that I would not make otherwise, you know, I'm streaming and Anthony says something funny in chat and I start laughing and click through my turn. That's happened. Somebody suggests a line of play and you know, I don't think too much about it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds fine. And I'm like, oh crap. After I've made it, I knew they had this in their graveyard to flash back. And that's why I wasn't going to do like just as many times as chat is suggesting a good line, they're going to suggest a bad one. And like, just, I, I mean, this, this goes to something a little bit deeper than magic, but for me, I don't think human beings are capable of multitasking. I think there's people who will tell you that they're very good at multitasking and they're just wrong because people aren't good at that. We're good at doing one thing at a time. So reading and interacting with chat and playing a game is exceptionally difficult. I've told people to to think of it before, like you're trying to play paper magic and ran at random intervals. Somebody pops you on the head with a styrofoam bat. Like, how is that going to mess with your, your concentration? It's not going to be good. So like anybody that says you're getting help from chat has not streamed seriously because it, yeah. it, it it's so distracting. Now that said, it's worth it. Like I thought it was worth it enough that I decided to to make that my career. It's a blast. I wouldn't change it. And I love hanging out with everybody all day. I feel like I'm playing games with my friends because I am. But to suggest that, that my chat is giving me an unfair advantage, I, I think it's just somebody who's never actually tried to stream before. 
I think that I play better for sure when I see the line before chat does. And I know that it's the line um, as opposed to like, well, I'm not really sure. And I flip plot between lines and then I kind of, you know, chat catches up and, and gives me, hey, why didn't you do this line or why didn't you do this line? I find that that when I'm in charge, my play is miles better than when I'm not in charge. And what, what I mean by in charge, I mean like where all the players are coming naturally to me and even the difficult lines are coming natural to, naturally to me and I'm not kind of saying, well, eh, humming and hawing and then getting somebody's input on the line or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and and you're right, it's it's the multitasking thing. When I'm 100% focused, uh, it's like chat's not even there when it comes to the lines of play. I'll joke and interact with them when I have F- F6 through my turn, but... Um, the lines of play are crystal clear when I'm focused hundred percent on the game at hand. So mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one, but I, I see the argument I do. And, and you're and you know, they may not be wrong. Um, there's just different degrees of, of right and wrong, I think in this argument. So well, come down I, on the spectrum and don't ghost basically is the summary. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I, I brought it up because Lee mentioned it on Twitter and I have people come in and I, I feel bad if that's their first experience with my stream because they'll jump in while I'm in one of these competitive events and have a hand tighter up. I've been ghosted in Swiss drafts and in like competitive. Yes, but just sealed leagues. Like it's not difficult to tell when somebody's ghosting, if they're a little bit stupid and have their moto screen name, the same as their Twitch name, because you can like open chat and search it pretty easily and find them. And usually I do it when I'm holding a very situational card and they've played perfectly around it for three turns I'm like, they'd have to know, I let's go look. And then, yep, sure enough, most of the time, there they are. It's like, huh, interesting. How about that? Um, I did get ghosted in the finals of a PTQ once, like the last game. And that's where I was like, I need to make sure I have a hand hider or a delay for these events. The, the person uh, beat me and went to the Pro Tour. Yeah, I hope they scrubbed out of the Pro Tour. I'm sure they did. They couldn't see their opponent's hands. <laughs> uh. Uh, and you've, I mean, not recently, but uh, you've switched from a delay to a hand hider. Um, so instead of dealing with the time warp of chat, you now have a have a funny hand hider that people comment on, and they make the same jokes every time. But they're they're still funny to, Play the three to people clubs. that are new. Yeah. Play the three clubs, it's broken. Um, that was a decision on my part because I streamed with a delay for a long time because that's what everybody else did. And then I recognized that part of it was like when you're narrating your plays and you're talking you're playing a little bit worse, not a lot of bit worse, but a little bit worse. And that if I just take that burden off of myself completely, and instead of make it about me narrating my plays and talking through what we're doing and make it about the drama of I'm playing in a big event, like let's get excited about that. And you can see the board state, but you don't know what's in my hand. Like the opponent plays something and like sometimes chats freaking out about a particular card the opponents played. And I'm not worried at all because I know I got it covered. And like that creates a sense of drama and, and action there. So I prefer the hand hider to the delay. It lets me interact with chat between rounds and puts the focus where I want it, which is instead of let's learn and get better and discuss plays. I don't want to do that on the weekends. I want to do that Monday through Friday. Combine, we'll do that together. But on the weekends, I want to win an event. Yep. And I, and I, I prefer to. I don't like having the, the time warp. I like being able to talk between rounds and things like that. So, yeah. Okay. So next up on the cheating, not cheating menu is collusion in and specifically in drafts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's been kind of it started as a bit of a I would say like a rumor. There's a post on Reddit and now I'm starting to see more people talk about it. So it sounds like it's probably a real thing. 
I'm I'm opening this up with like, don't do this. Please don't do this. If you do it, you're not a friend of mine. Um, kind of the same as ghosting, but um, th- there's kind of a conversation where uh, with draft leagues, people, some people, groups of people in, in the off hours will all hop into the same queue together, try to land a full queue together or most of a queue together, and then essentially collude in the draft to give themselves each a very powerful deck. Um, so you think about it, and let's say you're drafting with eight buddies, Paper Magic, and you guys all just pick, turn your picks face up and you build the best decks possible out of while still following the regular draft rules of, you know, pick one, pass one kind of thing. So they are able to communicate all the cards that are in all the packs. They're able to communicate who's going to play what, who's passing to who. Um, and they figure it out very quickly, you know, which order the, the people are in. I mean, I guess they can see it. Um, yeah, it's right there for yeah, because it's not anonymized. It's, I take for granted that I have mine closed all the time, but they know who's passing to who um, and they can coordinate all of their picks. And then what they do is because they don't have to play against each other. You know, if you're playing against your buddies and you're all drafting face up, you know, it doesn't matter because, you know, only one person could go 3-0 and and a couple of people are going to go 2-1 and the rest are going to go 1-2 or worse, right? But when they take those decks out into the general population of the league, they're now playing against people that didn't have that opportunity or didn't take that that kind of collusion course. And see what I did there. Mm -hmm. And um and, and and now they're they're taking their powered up deck which they should not have had in a normal draft let's say and they're they're running it against you know average normal run-of-the-mill draft decks so you would assume that their win percentage would be 5 10 15 percent higher and they would not be doing it if it was not profitable them for them to be doing it so it depends on what leagues they're doing it in but if if they can come out as a, as a net positive in the long term tickets wise um that would be kind of the only reason to do it. So it depends on what league they're doing it in. I don't know what record they would need. You know, how many times they'd have to three zero in a in a in a six two 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 league in an intermediate league. Um, but I can tell you that they wouldn't be doing it if it was not successful. Well, I I have some thoughts. So this the the original Reddit post said that this was eight people who would get together on Skype, try to jump into the queues when they're light. And you'd usually have one person who would jump into a queue initially to see how full it was, call when it fired, so you'd need nine people, and then the other eight would jump in and do it. And that they would draft and then not play the games then. They'd log on to another account and do it again. Mm -hmm. And do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And get four or five decks done, and then play it during the day. I've, I've heard a couple of different arguments to explain why this can't be happening one of my favorites, which I really liked, was this is like plotting for six months to rob an Arby's. Because <laughs> that, yep. that's funny. And then the other one was, well, I'll just avoid the competitive leagues because they're they're not going to waste their time doing this in the Swiss leagues. I was like, I, I don't think that's quite understanding what would motivate someone to do this. Because if if the motivation was profit, then they would go work at McDonald's and flip hamburgers because they're going to make more money doing that than this. Just about anything you can do for employment is going to make you more than playing Magic Online, like just from a ticket's perspective. They're not doing this for profit. They're doing this because playing, if it's happening, and I believe that like enough people have been talking about it, that it might be. If they're doing it, it's not to try to bust the bank. It's to take a game that's kind of minus EV, make it positive EV. I don't think many of them initially thought that they were doing anything terrible. They're just like, hey, I can draft with my friends. And it probably started there. And then they played the game and like, huh, I'm playing against a guy that wasn't with my friend. And then the light bulb goes off and you start to get it. 
So I, I actually don't think it would make any sense to do this in a competitive league. There's only like 500 people in the competitive leagues. If you're going to do this, you would do it in the Swiss league. And it doesn't matter what you've got to do to break even. You're already playing the game. You're putting money into it. It's not about breaking even or getting a profit. It's about getting, and again, this is like, seems kind of like they're not trying to hurt anybody. And I, I don't know that a lot of them are, but it's like you get to play with this cool, really powerful deck. It's like, neat, look at this thing I can do in this game. So like, if I were going to collude in that way, I, I would certainly do it in the Swiss leagues, but I would only do it if I was, you know, an immoral, terrible person. I do have a judgment here. Um, I, I would only do it in the intermediate leagues because it, it just wouldn't make sense. And I'd also only do it if I'm already playing Magic Online and already invested in it. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I didn't do the math on where the break-even point on that one would be, but it's probably, you know, like three... Three three O's and a, and a bunch of two ones probably break you even. I haven't done the math on it yet, but yeah, well, but twenty four packs. It, 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 it's not about that math. It doesn't matter what you'd have to do to break even. It matters. Were you going to draft on Magic Online anyway? If yes, then would you be more likely to win if your deck was better? If yes, do you have nine friends? If yes, do all of you mind doing something that's cheating? If no, go for it. I think it is about the I think it is about the profit like even though even if it's not a lot of profit so people some people get really weird about currencies like this or or things or games like this right so so take me for example I'm a penny pincher when it comes to moto I am I'll sell every single card that I get even if it's a, a tenth of a cent I'll sell them all I, I have meticulous records of every dollar I've ever put in and like we're talking about something that cost me like a dollar fifty per draft Right. I can tell you down to the I can tell you down to the hundredth of a cent how much it cost me per draft on average over the lifetime of my moto career. And and I have a very good paying job and a fancy house and a car and, you know, and bonuses at the end of the year and, and stuff like that. Like a dollar fifty per draft in, in my grand scheme of my life is less than a cup of coffee a day for me. But it matters to me because I see it as some kind of game. I see it as some kind of challenge to draft into play for as little as possible mm -hmm. so if you're looking to not spend any like I, I think i think that somebody that does this their main goal is to not necessarily profit it's to not spend money on magic online yeah. and they would not be doing it if it was not working for them like if it, if it was just the same as doing any other draft you know and, and they weren't getting the payoff out of it then it would not be worth their time to put in and they would just go and draft normally and so maybe, you know, maybe, maybe bad players wouldn't do this, I guess. Um, you Dave. know, somebody that even with the best deck couldn't hit a 50% win rate, then it doesn't make any sense for them to do that. But if they're upping their win rate and they're beating the system and in turn making that profit back and playing for free or playing for less than free, um, even if it's like $2 an hour, people are weird about that kind of stuff. They are, but I like whatever it is, whatever the math says, if we're at a competitive event and you and me and Martin and KYT and a couple other folks can sit at a table and draft face up. And we know we're all going to play someone who's not each other, but all of the other tables are drafting competitively and don't know that. Will our decks be better? If we're drafting face up, absolutely. Yeah, if we're all working together to do it. So like at the end of the day, all you can know for sure is that if people are doing this, their decks are going to be better. Yes. So like... 
I don't know how rampant it is, but I, I did want to say, like, I want to go through and what, what can you do about it as someone who's playing Magic Online? And then what could Wizards do about it if they decided it's something that they'd like to address seriously and take care of? So my suggestion of what you can do about it if you want to take, like, as a player, is I predominantly play the single elimination drafts. They're better EV anyway. So over time, those will do better for you if you're a good player. And I also play a lot of sealed. You can't do this in sealed. Like, it's just not something people can do. You get your pool, you open it, you play it. Bob's your uncle, you're done. You can also still play in queues if you don't mind playing older sets. You can still go play like the Aether Revolt Kaladesh draft format. Um, It's not in the league, but that's a benefit for some people and you'll open some older cards. So for me, I I really only do the Swiss drafts when I'm streaming drafts. Um, and, and to be honest, that is kind of a part of it. I, I feel like I would have to face more of that there or have the possibility of facing it there. And I don't, I don't want to. That's fair. I think the impact, it's interesting. I think the impact to us, like the general population that doesn't do this, is spread around so thin that it's almost insignificant. I mean, I'm assuming that the, the people that do this is a very small number of people, right? That it's not it's not widespread. So it's like, it's like what, what's that movie? Superman three office space. Yeah. Where they, where they, <laughs> where they round the pennies off. Right. And they end up with a million bucks and everybody else is out. Like all the other accounts are out just a few pennies each. All the other transactions are out of fractions of a penny. That's kind of what it's like, right? Is it's like everybody that they play against gives up some kind of equity, but, but because, because they're pulling from a random pool of people, like the equity is coming from that larger player base. So like you and me on average, when we play a hundred games, we might run into this, half of a time a quarter of a time like a tenth of a time who knows i don't even know what those numbers are but but so so like so like they're taking equity out of that pool and you can kind of mathematically you can kind of just say that they're stealing equity from everybody in an equal amount even though it doesn't work out in the small sample set because they steal up like 10 percent equity from the one person that they're playing against right but like you spread that around over the whole pool and i think the impact to us is very insignificant overall in the grand scheme of things however to that small group of people they get to collect that and they get to share it amongst a very small number of people. So, so they see a, a much more of a positive benefit to their individual person on average, their equity goes up, you know, whatever it is like three, four, five, let's say win percentage points because of the quality of their draft deck. And they steal those, they steal essentially steal that equity from everybody that's doing a draft normally. So, um, so to us, I don't think it's a, it's a major downside. And I, I wouldn't say, unless the problem becomes a huge problem, I wouldn't say you necessarily go out of your way to avoid the drafts unless you really, really don't want to run into something like that. It could be a negative experience, but you'll never really know that it happened to you. So I don't know that it matters that much. Um, but what I would like to see is that, you know, that, that if it is a problem, that Wizards cracks down on it and kind of nips that before it becomes a major problem. Because if more people do it, which is part of the the problem when something like this comes out and more people figure it out, more people figure it out that, you know, us, even by talking about it here can kind of clue somebody in that maybe didn't know about it. And they're like, Oh, Hey, I can totally do that with my friends. And we kind of make that more of a problem. That's where it becomes a problem is where that pool of people that are taking advantage of it um, starts to become a larger percentage of the player base that is not doing that. Right. So they steal more equity um, and, and there's more people kind of, running that con i guess it's the best way to call it it's a con it's a con on magic online yeah it's exactly what it is I, I, you're right in that it doesn't really affect us because of the percentages right out of the four thousand people there if 20 of them colluded we're not going to play them that often 
but it does mean like one out of every 1000 people is kind of getting kicked in the crotch. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that sucks for that person. And you'll never really know. Like, have you ever played against a draft deck that was great at FNM? And you're like, my God, my opponent had everything. Well, they weren't colluding there. Like you can just get a good deck on occasion. Mm-hmm. But like it, it kind of puts this doubt in it every time. Like when somebody runs over you with an amazing deck, you're like, did did the, was that was that the thing? Was yeah. that was that the thing? So I I don't like it. What if Wizards decided they wanted to stop it? What are some things they could do that that would move towards getting rid of this? Um well one thing that they can do, and and I hope that they are doing if if they they read Reddit, so I'm, I'm sure that if it is a problem that they are working on figuring out if it is a problem, like if there are people that are actually doing it. Um, one thing that they can do is they can track um, people that go into the same queue together frequently. Mm-hmm. And you can do that even just by IP address. You don't even have to do it by usernames and things like that, people that, that change usernames. Um, so I could see something like that where people will track those those people that all hop into the queue at the same time frequently enough. Because, you know, whatever, like I might hop into a draft that you're in not on purpose. Maybe it, Maybe it is on purpose. Who knows? Um, that, that can be really tough to, to tell because I know there are some people that, um, that will try to organize, at least they used to, they tried to organize drafts that were like private drafts. We're like, okay, let's all jump into this queue together. And we're not going to, we're not going to clue, um, because it was, it was a single elimination or it was like, uh, uh, before the leagues were around. So it was kind of, wasn't a big deal. Um, but hopefully wizards can kind of look for patterns and play on that one. And given enough data, they should be able to, um, to mine that, that information. Um, some other things that I've seen recommended is, um, uh, hide the number of people that are in the queue. So when I you join a queue. I think that's the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so that nobody knows how much room is left in the queue. So they can't jump in and jump out, jump in and jump out. Um, I've also seen, uh, you know, wait and fill up two queues and shuffle those two queues together or three queues or something like that. It, that's a little tougher with a lower population, but if you took, if you if you said we have to get to 16 people in the queue and then you shuffle those two queues together, um, now all of a sudden you need 16 people colluding instead of just eight, um, which is possible. Obviously, it's a lot harder to coordinate um, and get everybody into there at the same time. And then you can maybe raise that number during during peak hours. Um, but these people are doing it in off hours. So like something like that might be really tough. Yeah, I, I think having an option to play in non-leagues could be something that people might be interested in as well, but leagues are so darn convenient. Like I, I really wish people would just be decent human beings and not engage in stuff like ghosting and collusion. But so many people have been talking about this on, on the stream lately that I felt like I, I kind of want to address it and talk about it. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like to know how many people, if, if it's happening at all, or if it's just somebody that said we could do it. And then that became, Hey, now there's a rumor that somebody is doing it. And that, that rumor is kind of just perpetuating itself. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I like it, like you said, it's so low value compared to just doing anything else Yeah. that, that it's tough for me to believe that it is widespread. Um, but who knows? I mean, people cheat at friggin' first person shooters, right? They'll go and they'll buy Wall an and account PvP. on, they'll go and buy a, a counter-strike uh, account and they'll they'll hack for two days and then get banned and they'll go buy another one a week later and it's like where's the fun in that I, I don't get that with magic i can see it because you still have to play the game and you still have to win the game um and, and people a lot of people don't like to lose right and any any <laughs> edge like you lose. can give yourself 
any edge. Some people like to like don't like to lose to the point where they will they will cheat and they'll give themselves edges um, that are kind of you know not within the spirit of of the game and not necessarily within the rules. And Magic Online or Magic in general does have a no collusion, right? Yeah. Specifically in drafting, there's a no collusion rule. So um, when the ban hammer comes down, um, you know I hope it is swift and fierce. Me too. Me too. I, I talk a lot about things that Magic Online could improve. So I did want to do one shout out to something that Magic Online does phenomenally. Um, I have played some other card games online, notably Eternal and Hearthstone. And one thing that always keeps bringing me back to Magic Online when I'll, I'll take a little vacation and try one of them for a little bit is the way that the tournament structures are run on Magic Online. If you want to play in a tournament in those two games currently, you've got to do a lot of Googling to find where one is and how you get involved and who you email and then join the discord and do all this stuff, which, which is fine. I've done that. There was a player run a tournament, uh, tournament and eternal. I played in it. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun with magic online. You can open it, go to tournaments and browse, find the one you want to play in it and be playing in it right now. It's built into the client. You don't have to go look for it. You don't have to go dig once you've learned how to navigate the client, which can be a challenge on occasion, but once you get used to it, it's very easy to go find a competitive event like a mox, a PTQ, whatever it is that you want to be doing and start doing it immediately. So like, I, I don't want it to, to be Travis Poops on Magic Online, the podcast, because I've already yelled at the cloud. And then we've talked some about colluding, but that's one of my favorite things about Magic Online is how easy it is to go get into a competitive event and know when they are and be able to plan around them. Yeah, and I'm close to you on that one. I like being able to play for tangible prizes, mm -hmm. but also like being able to soul crush my opponent. Like we're both in the in the one one bracket in a six two two in an intermediate uh, draft. It's not just and that you get the pack; it's that they didn't. It's that they don't. No, but uh, the you know you can play competitive tournaments, and I can play games that. I can play games that still mean something. Whereas like in Hearthstone, I feel like, or, or Eternal, let's say, because the the prizes aren't, I, it's tough to say, it's different. I'm not actually putting any money in those games usually. And where I'm Magic Online, you know, my tickets are actual dollars. It, it, it makes the games worth more to me from a competitive perspective because of the level of competition and also because there's prizes on the line, which is, I mean, this is another topic for another day, but people have talked about a subscription system and draft all you want in a month for 20 bucks on Magic that. Online. And I would hate that. I would hate that because you'd have people that would draft a, a, a crap deck and then drop and not be out any, any money and not be out anything. And you can kind of just get these, you know, stupid cycles of not competitive games and not competitive drafts. Um, so, so I like having something backing it. It's, it's, it's like the gold standard of, of online card games. Yeah. You know, it's got a currency behind it. It's got something that makes it mean something. And, uh, and that's what magic online does really well. And then that just funnels into your tournaments, right? Like you can pay, play tournaments for like actual dollars Uh huh. in your right? underwear. Like, I mean, 36 boosters pack booster packs. What's a booster pack cost these days? Is it three bucks online? Four bucks online? They're usually four bucks online, right? They're, they're, I think they cost four and are worth about three. Right. Okay. But I mean like, you know, you can get a hundred bucks for, for no entry, right? Like you just ran a hundred dollar free roll. I mean, I know that's not a lot of money to some people, but you know, that's actual dollars. When you think about your gaming dollars and the budget that you spend, the average person spends to play a game online. Um, you know, that's printing money, right? So, um, so I really like that. Yeah, I do too. I did. So I, I, I want to make a, a habit of Travis says something nice about magic online 
on every show where he says something negative about Magic Online because that, that's really awesome. And I, I like that about the program that we play. Yeah, we don't say a ton negative. We, we're, no, we're we don't. fairly I, positive around here. So. I, I play nearly 40 hours of Magic Online a week. I obviously love the game. Could it be improved? Sure. But like the game's great. Magic may very well be the, one of the best games ever invented. It's pretty close on my book, but that's another topic for another day. I think it is the best game invented for me. We'll debate that in Hyper Bowl too. We need to have another Hyper Bowl one of these days. Let's do that. Let's do that. But before we do, I have a soapbox I want to get on. Yes, let's uh, let's close it out with a soapbox. So you've you've got a lot of these lately, um, and this one is new to me. I don't know this one in advance. Well, you know that no, it has know, to do with comments. That's what I know. So I can guess. Video. But I, I'm I'm going to walk you into this one. So okay. it's it's pack one, pick one. I'm going to read off the mm-hmm. entire contents of this pack. I'd like to tell me what cards you're considering and which one you would pick. Sure. So we've got Driven to Despair. That's the split card, uh, green, black. Oh, Trample and Discard when the, the creatures hit, right? Yeah, it's Menace, you draw a card. Trample, you draw a card. Menace, yeah, you yeah, discard yeah, yeah. a card. You know what it is. Sure. Crook yep. of Condemnation. Sideboard All-Star and Standard. Yep. Imaginary Threats. Yeah, okay. Sunscourge Champion. I'm in on that one so far. Okay. Aerial Guide. Fine card, not better than the white card. Blur of Blades. Fine card, not better than the white card. Graven Abomination. Graven Abomination. Which one's that one? The 3-1 Artifact Creature when it attacks. Oh, let's we'll skip it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kenra Scrapper. Uh, that's an interesting one. I like that one a lot if you want to be the, the red. It's pretty close between that and the white card. I would agree. Oasis Ritualist. I would say also close to the red and the white card, but the red and the white card are probably slightly better in draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunblast. Mm, this is probably better removal we can do. I'd rather take the white card that we, the, the champion over this white card, if I'm taking a white card. Okay. Scrounger of souls. Which one is that one? Uh, three, four life link for five in black. Oh, fine card, but you can pick it up later. Yeah. Th- this is going to take a while, but I think it's going to be worth it. Sidewinder Naga. Nah, but uh, uh, Ritualist is a better green card. Okay. Thorned Morlock. Uh, Scrapper is a better red card. Uh, Wretched Camel. Uh, that's the black one. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't mind thinking about that one, but I think the other cards in the other colors are better than that one. But uh, but I do like that camel quite a bit. Um, yeah, they seem to go early. So I don't think I'd take it, but I mean, that's a consideration in, in like the top five cards in the pack or top six cards in the pack. Okay. So it, it probably comes down to Sunscorch Champion, Aerial Guide, Kinder Scrapper, and Oasis Ritualist. But would you care to pick one? Um, I would probably take the Champion, I think. But I wouldn't fault anyone for taking the Scrapper over the Champion, I think. Okay. That is the exact conversation I had, and I took the Champion. We're now moving into pick two. We're going to go through th- four picks. Okay. And I, I want to walk through all of these with you. So next up, we have Dunes of the Dead. That's the desert that when you sacrifice it, you get a zombie. Uh, no, that's the desert that when you exile another desert, you get nobody oh, ever it, plays it, this is garbage. Yeah, it becomes a three, four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it makes a two, two when it gets sacrificed. I can't even read the card. Um, Rumyanap Ruins. Uh, that's an interesting desert if we take in the scrapper, maybe, but who knows? OK, carry on. Unraveling Mummy. Uh, that's, oh, I like that card and it kind of goes well with your champion. So that's a top consideration to stay on color. I would say. Agree. Aerial guide. Uh, probably not. I mean, it's fine, but I'd rather take the mummy. I think blur of blades. 
what? This is like the same print run? It's a very similar one, yeah. Uh, skip it. Yep. Countervailing Winds. Mm, it's a fine card, but skip it, I think. Firebrand Archer. That's an interesting card. Again, if we take in Scrapper, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I don't think it's the best card in the pack here yet, so I think skip it. Okay. Fried Sandwalla. No, I don't like that card. I actually have come around to that card's playable, but I agree. I ain't taking it here. Uh, Lurching Rot Beast. It's the 4-2 with Cycling. Mm -hmm. It's. I mean, if you're going to take a black card, take the Mummy, so skip it. Agree. Ronus's Stalwart. I do like this card. Mm -hmm. Um, If you wanted to... If you wanted to not kind of marry yourself to white, I think this is a fine card to take. Okay. Sun uh, Sandblast. Um, Again, if we're taking a white card, let's take the Mummy, I think. Thorned Moloch. What is with this print run? Skip it. And without weakness. Uh, I don't like that card at all. So um, I'd take the Mummy, but I wouldn't fault anyone if they wanted to go into a different color for, let's say, the the stalwart yeah i think that would be reasonable i took the mummy okay wow look at us had a very similar thought pattern there all right we're getting close to the end of this but we've got a little bit more coming so next up we have um appeal to authority appeal to authority which one's that one green your dude gets plus x plus x where x is the number of creatures you have and then one in white flash it back tap to dudes your dudes get vigilance Oh, yeah, you can kind of go off with that card, but um, I've, I haven't drafted it yet. So, I mean, I, I'd look at it, but I'm probably not drafting it. It's a, it, I have played with it more since I did this draft video. The card's a powerhouse. Um, that Do you said, take it third, it, though? It is a gold card. I usually yeah. want to try to wheel them, um, but yeah. I, I might start taking them a lot earlier because I've just won some, some games with it. Anyway, to, to, to the point, sure. um, Manticore Eternal. That's the 5-4 that has to attack with Afflict. Correct. Ooh, okay. Vizier of the True. Ooh, I like this one. That's the, um, no, this is the white tapper, right? Yeah, the white guy that when things exert, it gets tapped. Yeah, it's, I actually haven't played with it. I think it goes earlier than I want to take it, but I would consider it. I think it's the front runner out of the first three. Yeah, it's a good card. Uh, Red Desert. Uh, The cycle one? Yep. Uh, I mean, it's, it's whatever. It's not a reason to be red, but if you're red already, you probably take it, so skip it. Yep, Green Desert. Mm, what We took the Mummy in the last pack, right? Yep, so we've got a Sun Scourge Champion and an Unraveling Mummy. God Pharaoh's Faithful. God Pharaoh's Faithful. Oh, that's the 04? No, skip yeah, it. Yeah, you want an 04? Uh, Harriet Naga. Harriet Naga, that's the 3-3? Three, three? Yep. Skip it. Yep. Yep. Proven Combatant. Proven Combatant? Which one's that one? One Mana, one, one, Eternalize for six. No, 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 I'm off of that one. Nope. Um, Not here anyway, so. Rampaging Hippo? I do like this card. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. This might be my front runner, but the Vizier means that we can kind of stay on white. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Sandblast? A third Sandblast, hey? Mm-hmm. Shoot, so we're passing like three Sandblasts. Not that that means anything. Those Sandblasts probably go further around the table, but um, probably take the Vizier over Sandblast. Scrounger of Souls? I... Maybe not here. I, I'm, I'm okay skipping this one. And Thorned Morlock, our good friend. So we could have had like three Thorned Molochs. Or somebody's have. getting three of them. We could have. Um, Vizier or the Hippo? Vizier or the Hippo? I would take... Is the Hippo more powerful? It, it might be. I'm going to give you a spoiler here in that I took the Sandblast. 
He took the sandblast. Yeah, looking okay. looking back, I I think I might should have taken the vizier or the hippo as I'm going through sure. and doing this review. So I could see the hippo if you because it is a very powerful card. I could see the vizier if you wanted to say white and sandblast is if you wanted to say white. I mean, it's fine, but like sandblast is kind of underperformed for me. So I think I I'd take the vizier. But I mean, whatever. Okay, so it's a reasonable pick. It's not like. It's not like you picked a, a, a frilled sand wall here, pick three. Yeah, we didn't do something crazy. And I, my justification was, I, I've got the Sunscorched Champion. Maybe we play the Mummy. Maybe we don't. But Champion plus Sandblast is kind of the start to a good one. So now I'll rattle off this last pack, and that, that's going to bring us to the conclusion. So we've got Hope Tender. Uh, oh, the, the one that um, taps for to uh, untapped land, right? Yep. Yes, skip it. Manticore Eternal. Again, I like I, I like this card, but I don't think it goes here unless it's the most powerful card in the pack. Obelisk Spider. Oh, I like that card, but I don't. You don't? Oh, I had two of them in a draft deck, and it was great. Was it better than we're a giant take... spider? But it did none, nonetheless, it's probably not what we're going to play here. We'll talk about giant spiders one day. <laughs> um, Blue Cycling Desert. Skip it. Feral Prowler. Skip it. Gift of Strength. Skip it. Oketra's Avenger. The three one. Mm-hmm. White is open. That's what you think when you see that card. I think so. Yep. I think okay. white's open. Uh, Scrounger of Souls. Hmm. That's three of them. Uh, skip it. Seer of Last Tomorrow. Seer of Last Tomorrow. You don't Which need to know what this is. Uh, it's All a right, one four. It. You can mill your... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Forget it. Up. Forget it. Torment of Venom. I do like that one. That That is a reason to play the mummy as well. So I would consider that one as well. Okay. So it's between the Avenger and this one so far. Okay. And Wretched Camel. Mm, not bad either. Um, I would flip flop between the mummy or sorry, the, the black card and the white card. Um, mostly because I really like that mummy. Um, and that is a, that is a very good removal spell, I think. Um, but I wouldn't fault anybody for taking the Avenger. It's pretty close to me. I think I would probably end up on the Avenger. Okay. I took the Avenger with the idea that we're not 100% white. Uh, excuse me. We're 100% white. We're not 100% black. Torment of Venom isn't bad. I, I would say that I don't think it's necessarily a great removal spell. I think it's a passable one for what we get these days. It does deal with most of the things you want to deal with, but it does it at four mana. And there's even some things that it can't handle. Like on an empty board, they're killing you with a 6-6. This solves about half of your problem. Um, not all of it. Whereas, I, like, my thought was exactly what yours was when I saw the Oketra's Avenger. Why it's open. So normally I stay away from YouTube comments. But I, I came down and I read one. And I, I think this needs to be talked about again. And maybe this is my crusade now that people have finally stopped mulliganing. The comment was... Fourth pick, forgettable white common creature over very good black removal. I'm out. Okay, well that person's out because how is a how is a Ketra's Avenger unforgettable? I don't I don't get that. Well, that and that that's what bothered me here. And I, I responded. I normally don't respond to this stuff, but, but I'm, I'm going to read my response and then I'm going to extrapolate a little bit. So my response was: Oketra's Avenger is a top common in the set, and we're not black yet. Also, four mana minus three minus three is not very good removal. It's okay. You can be out, but if you want to learn how to draft, you should watch the rest of the video. <laughs> I decided. You're sassy. Yeah, I, I was a little sassy. 
Decided to comment here because this is a great opportunity to start a discussion. For example, Travis, I think I'd have taken the Torment of Venom here. Why did you go for the Avenger? Then we can have a chat. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you are. But we have a nice chat and we both learn something about drafting. Instead, when you respond like this, you kind of come across as a jerk. And all I'm left able to do is go, nuh-uh, I'm right. If you're reading this, remember, there's a nice way to do pretty much anything And when you choose that way, you get a conversation where at least one person gets to learn something. Be the nice guy. Be the nice gal. Net positive. Yeah. And like, it's so easy to just come in and poop on somebody. And I I mentioned this when we were doing our our, uh, pre-show. Like I had a, a lot of people in chat the other day. And one of them mentioned to someone else in chat, like not really interacting with me, interacting with each other. I didn't recognize you here because you're not trolling. And they were like, yeah, I don't troll here. This is not that kind of chat. Like, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like this. Let's say that you really think it was 100% Torment of Venom and definitely not Oketra's Avenger. I asked you because I know that we're kind of at a similar place on drafting and value some of the commons the same way. I think a lot of people would look at that pack and take the Avenger and think that that's a good one. I think I probably shouldn't have taken the Sandblast. I might have been off with the Vizier. Argue with me about that one. Or... Let's have a conversation about this and you can tell me why you think Torment of Venom is a a much better pick and way better for us. Like Hmm. either way, that leads to a conversation where people can walk away learning things. So I would just encourage people when they're communicating with content producers, with your friends, with really anybody, like being nice is a net positive for everyone and it doesn't cost you anything. There's no cost associated and just unlimited benefits. Like, I've had wonderful conversations with professional magic players at GPs because I was nice. I had Shaheen Sarani talk me through a bunch of plays with a deck that I was playing against his team after we beat them. And I got better at magic from having that conversation. And I, I think a large part of it was because I was being nice and asking questions after the match ended. Like if I just said, you guys suck, we won. <laughs> I'd walk away without getting anything out of that. So I just really want to encourage people, not just in magic, everywhere, everything you're doing, it's absolutely free to be nice. It doesn't cost you anything. And you kind of make the world a better place and an angel kitten gets their wings. Like, just be a nice person. We talk about expected value EV a lot. And um, and sometimes I obsess over it a little bit too much in, in, in a lot of facets of life. But something like this is like infinite ev and the reason it's infinite ev positive is because it has no cost associated to it you you cannot you you cannot calculate i mean you you can it, it costs you nothing and 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 the positive the, the the positive outcome that you get of it is an infinite percentage over the amount that you put in basically so it's just net positive just just be positive yeah yeah that's it's so easy i i and i found this carrying over into real life too where if I I catch somebody's eye, I'll smile at them. I'll wave. Like, why not just be a nice person? I live in D.C., man. Like, that's not normal around here for people to do that. But I've started just kind of being happy and positive, wave at people, say hello, and found that people respond to it and are nice. Like, all sorts of different people, people who don't look like me, people that are older than me, younger than me, different ethnicities, different genders, like, you, you can take this as far as you want to take it. But for now, I'll just say if you're watching a stream or watching a video and somebody does something, and it's okay if somebody does something that makes you say, this is so bad, I don't want to watch this anymore. 
you don't have to watch it. I'm not saying that you have to finish the video or you have to watch the stream. I'm saying if you choose to comment about it, phrase it in such a way that either you or the streamer or maybe both of you can learn something and get better about what you're doing instead of in a way that's just kind of like, nah, you suck. Because like there, there, nothing good ever comes of that, except perhaps this podcast soapbox. Thank you for letting me climb up on that one. Have you ever, has anybody ever said to you, hey, you're 100% wrong without any kind of context or any other phrasing or anything like that? It's just, you're just dead wrong. And you have stopped and said, you know what? You're right. Has that ever happened to you? No. Yeah, me either. That's that's just not how you convince people about anything. So like... It's part, a 0% success rate. Yeah, it, it is. I, th- I think part of this is just like internet culture where like there's a, a group of people... Maybe it's because I'm so darn old. I mean, I'm pushing 40. But like there seems to be this culture of people who thinks it's okay to just come and you know, dump on people or call people idiots. And I like, I just, I didn't grow up like that. Like, just be nice to people. There's something to be said. Mr. Rogers especially wouldn't today, like it. Mr. Rogers would not like it, especially in today's world. There's enough bad stuff going on out there. This is not the podcast for it. Maybe we'll make no, it's one not. and we'll talk about that, but there's enough crap going on in the world that you should be nice to as many people as you can possibly be nice to. All right. I'm going to go out and do that. Huzzah. (laughs) Huzzah, indeed. I'm going to crush some drafts and have some fun while I do it and hopefully thoughtfully engage my audience and have good conversations about magical cards. I like it. I'm going to build standard decks for my kid and I, and we're going to go to F&M and lose every game and have a smile on our face doing it. So because you're going to be nice to the people that are there. Absolutely. That's the circle of nice. But I am going to steal their, I'm going to, if I win, I'm going to jump up and, no, I'm not going to jump up and down, but I am going to enjoy stealing their fun in a, in a game of magic because magic is a zero fun, zero sum fun game. Yeah. You want all of the fun for yourself and none for your opponent. That's how you do it properly. Exactly. All right. I think that's going to wrap us up this week. Um, want to thank our sponsors, face-to-face games and our host, manadeprived.com. We are your men for moto. I am David Seville. You can reach me on Twitch and Twitter at civilian and travis where can they find you you can find me pretty much anywhere under the name simulan i'm there on twitch uh that's also uh my twitter so at simulan for twitter and twitch.tv slash simulan to watch me punt in real time they are awesome punts sometimes though there you you have some quality quality punts once in a while uh clip worthy even one of my um, favorites is a highlight where I managed to kill myself with a mage ring responder uh, in Origins. Warning, uh, the, the the words that I utter after I did that are not G-rated, but I highlighted that because I think it's my best punt ever. Like literally my opponent's dead on board and instead I managed to kill myself instead of them. It it was truly an epic punt. I'm, I think we've talked about that one before, but uh, yeah. it, is, it is one of my favorite Travis stories. I go back and watch it at least once a month. And then speaking about uh, leaving internet comments in a positive or at least constructive fashion, um, we encourage you to uh, give us feedback on this and any episode that you listen to. So you can send us that feedback on uh, Twitter and you can leave that feedback in the comment sections on Mana Deprived. You can come up to us in our Twitch chats. Uh, I've been streaming more lately and I've gotten some uh, feedback on the podcast. Mostly people just coming by and saying that they've listened to it uh, and then they leave right away. But um, but I, we well, do don't get some. They don't want to watch some, that crap, man. No, they don't. They come in and they say, oh, this is this guy. 
Um, but we do get some, we got some really good feedback over the last couple of episodes and, uh, and it certainly helps us out to get that kind of feedback. So, uh, we're looking to improve all the time and, uh, we hope to bring you along the journey with us. So that being said, once again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.